Welcome back to this week's episode of Bubba Radio. Today I'm connected with powerlifting coach, athlete, licensed physical therapist assistant Michael Pyong, who runs School of Mikey P, which is an online coaching platform, a successfully growing number of outstanding athletes from national to an international level. Thank you for joining me today. Oh, you're welcome. I'm happy to be here. Thank, Thank you for having me. And um, first of all, before we get into anything, I'm very curious to know how the coronavirus situation is going in your state. I know you live in Texas. Um, how is that going right now as of January? Uh, it's um, very bad. It's yeah. the worst it's ever been. Mm-hmm. I think every day is record new cases, right. record death. Like every day, it's like increasing. Mm. Uh, I think around the holidays, like Thanksgiving and right. holidays now, people, you know, people know you're you're not supposed to really travel, gather, mm-hmm. see family, but people do it anyways. Everyone says, uh, everyone says we were safe, but statistically, just numbers, it's just yeah. You just can't if everyone does it. Mm, so it's not looking uh, very well, um, especially with the, the, the cold season as well, right? Yeah. And um, we don't, in Texas, we don't have a shutdown or anything. Okay. Oh, okay. They, they kind of let the different states just, uh, some states are shut down, mm. but then they just let every state kind of do it however they want. Um, yeah. Not shut down, but it's it's still there. Mm. Yeah. And I know, like different states in America have like uh, a mask policy. Is that a, a thing in the, in Texas as well? I'm, I'm not too sure. I'm sorry. Um, I think everyone is um, encouraged to wear it, mm. and um, most public places are mandating it. Mm. It's more normal to mandate, but I think some some people who want to rebel, they'll say you don't have to wear a mask, or it's right. it's not like it's not mandated, but it's encouraged. I guess. Right? So. Okay. Okay. And um, how is the um, how did this uh, coronavirus situation? I know it's going for a very long time now. Um, how did that uh, affect your you know coaching? I know uh, you're you're an online coach, and uh, uh, and also how is that? Are meets still being run in Texas? Sorry, that was two questions. Yeah. Um, meets are still being run. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think just uh, they have to follow like certain rules, like certain amount of people. You have to clean uh, after each person. Or like there, there's right. rules like that you have to follow. And I think there's not as many meets available, but mm-hmm. they're, they're still around. Okay. Um, and then you have to like wear your mask, things like that. Okay, so you have to wear your mask during your lifts. Yes. Okay. And then, um, if you don't, then they can uh, disqualify you or just just throw you out of the meet. They they're, they're kind of allowed to do whatever they want if you don't follow the rules. Mm, okay. Well, well, that's kind of reasonable. I think in Japan, you're not allowed to have like. Uh, you're the only one who's allowed to go. So there's no audience. Hmm. So it's only the lifters that are competing and people are allowed to take off their masks during their lift. But when you finish, you have to put it back on. So I think, yeah, kind of different style. No, we're, yeah, 
we're supposed to have it on the whole time. Mm -hmm. And then, for example, if uh, if like you're lifting and you deliberately go up there without it, um, the judges on the platform can disqualify you. Wow. And then going back, I think this has happened going back later, even yeah. though the meet is over and you got your totals. If people see like on video, like on Instagram, and they have proof that you're doing that, then they can still go back and erase your time. Whoa, that's that's crazy. It's happened here. Oh, yeah. wow. Something like that has uh, never happened before. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, just, just wear your mask. And then like if it if you're lifting and sometimes the mask is loose, it like slips. They're, they're reasonable about it. Okay. But if you're just deliberate, you yeah. know. Okay. So so as you said like uh there are not many uh meets that are that are available and you I know you coach a lot of uh clients. How is that affecting your your coaching? Um in March when it like March to summer. Mm-hmm. Um I had a lot of people kind of uh it's more because of, like gym access not yeah. not really because of the meets. Mm-hmm. They're if their state is shut down and they can't work out and most people need to go to the gym, they don't have their own equipment. Right. Um, they say I either have to pause or mm. they have to just go, you know, do, do home workouts, like do, do pushups at home, Yeah. you know, do like lunges in their backyard or just make their own equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, so from like March to summer, I had a lot of people going like in and out back and forth. Right. But since the summer, um, for most of my clients are in this state, Texas. Mm-hmm. So Texas has just been open since since May, okay. I think. And so gyms have opened up. From then, it started getting back to normal numbers for me. Mm-hmm. And meat started picking up too. So right. There was just a little dip during those few months. But for the most part... Uh, mm. I've been okay. I know it's a lot of people, but I think I've been very fortunate. Right. So um, how, how challenging is, has it been, you know, guiding people back into training after, you know, having a few months off? As you said, people can't go to the gym, so they're doing mm-hmm. home workouts. But I, I'm, I'm guessing that home workouts aren't as obviously as effective as going to the gym. Uh, and something yeah. like this has never, you know, happened before. Had, has it been challenging for you, like guiding people back into training? Honestly, no, because okay. I've uh, done coaching for so long. I've been through not this kind of COVID experience exactly, mm-hmm. but, you know, throughout my career, there are times when people, you know, they're going out of the country for a month or two, or they have, uh, they just have like, um, they're, they're busy studying, studying for med school, applying mm-hmm. for med school, just, just things like that, or they're traveling or they just compete at nationals. They want to take a break. Mm-hmm. And so I've been through situation, situations where okay. people take time off and then they're kind of out of shape or rusty. And then we got to kind of start fresh again. Mm. It, it's not a big deal. Just uh, my biggest advice is like, don't expect yourself to be at the mm. same level you were at before. Of course, mm. like you, And just be very patient with yourself. Just right. Take the time to start easy and then slowly build up. Mm. And, um, you know, like uh, already physically challenging as it is, as you mentioned, I think like people's motivations towards getting back into the gym must also drop 
or, or like not being as strong as you were back before shutdown must be very discouraging for a lot of people, including myself. You know, have you seen that amongst your clients as well? Uh, I think I've seen, I think it can go both ways. Actually, you can be um, discouraged that you lost the progress Ooh. and then just kind of, uh, yeah, just be sad about that. Yeah. But there's also people who, who are just, who are just waiting every day. They check the news to see, is my gym open yet? Is right. the lockdown done yet? And they're, they're even more motivated to come back and they feel like a, because of the time loss, right, right. they feel like, okay, I really have to make it up. And this time I really can't, I mean, you know, I just got to make every little bit more efficient. So it, it's worked. I've seen right. both ways. Uh, yeah. It depends on um, how you take it, I guess, of the situation. Yeah. Very important. Yeah. It makes such a big difference too, right? Yeah. Like when you, go, when you do get back into training. Mm. And um, how? What about what about your training? How how has that gone uh, during a shutdown and after shutdown? Yeah, and again for me during that March to summertime, mm -hmm. I wasn't able to go to the gym, and the only equipment I own is a I own two barbells. Okay. I don't own it. Oh, uh, and it was that time trying to like order weights and buy weights. It was it was impossible. You you couldn't buy. Even if you wanted to pay like double or triple the normal price, you just, it was just the supply was not there. Oh, so because people were also thinking about the same thing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Everyone else was buying it. And then um, there are some people who like jumped on early and bought a bunch of equipment right. to sell back for like double, triple price. But, and I was willing to pay because for me, this is, uh, this is for my business. It's mm -hmm. like, I'm more invested in this than just like the typical person. Yeah. But even if I was willing to pay, it was just not there. I couldn't find it anywhere. Mm, okay. So uh, I had to do, uh, but I did, again, I did have two barbells. Yeah. I just I use like 45 pounds and do, do like curls. Okay. I would go out in the, in the street and like do lunges, like sets of 20 or sets, I don't even remember. Yeah. Just a lot of push ups. Uh, wall push-ups, that kind of thing. Mm. And the thing that was okay for me was at my work mm -hmm. for physical therapy, um, they have equipment there. Right. Not like they have not like a barbell, but they have they have some dumbbells up to 50 pounds and they have like leg press machine, mm. lat pull machine, row machine. Okay. So I could get some of my workout in there. I couldn't mm. do like my competition lifts. Right. So really the approach for me mm -hmm. and the approach for my lifters mm -hmm. during quarantine was since we can't do our barbell lifts we will just try to work on our weaknesses right because i think a big thing that happens uh for powerlifters specifically mm -hmm. we focus so much like on the on the big three which right. you should mm -hmm. that's but then um people have issues they have like issues with weaknesses in other muscles people mm -hmm. have issues with injury and if you're always just focusing on pushing the barbell lifts you don't ever really uh create time for right. yourself to work these issues and it was it was a for some people it was like the perfect time to mm -hmm. where they don't have the pressure of a meet right they don't have the pressure of like mm -hmm. pushing programming they could just really stop and not worry about being in a rush mm -hmm. and they could work on a making their knee healthy or right. if they have a shoulder injury 
just so we we made the most out of it for mm. correct. Okay, so I think, yeah. Sorry. Oh, I think everyone just has something that they can work on. Mm. And, you so. know, and, and things that you mentioned like prehab and rehab exercises and working on your weaknesses is something that you can do not only in the gym, but also at home, right? So it was probably very convenient. Yeah, it, it just worked out um, well enough. And then the motivation for doing it, because, uh, you know, if you're, if you're doing powerlifting, your motivation is to like, lift heavy you want to do like heavy deadlifts yeah. Heavy squat. yeah but um my way to kind of uh get them to buy into the rehab and work hard on it is um this is going to make your let, let's say we're doing like a shoulder rehab working on your back mm-hmm. um if you had weakness there my motivation was that when you come back after working this for two months your bench is going to be better mm. or if 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 we fix your shoulder and your shoulder hurts on squat because you can't and you can't get the right positioning, once that's fixed, that's gonna make your squat better. Mm. So long term I had them looking to how is even though it's not the big three lifts, how yeah. this will apply. Right. Okay. So it's it's more uh setting long term goals. Cause I know that it uh, it's not like you said, you know, not doing rehab rehab exercises not as sexy as um doing like big three exercises and and you know uh, people would be discouraged by that. But looking at it for like you know it, it's a chance for you to work on your weaknesses. I think it's a very it, it must have been a good time that yeah that period must have been yeah yeah good. Um okay so uh just moving on a little bit um how long have you been coaching? Um, it's hard to say because I never it's kind of a gradual process because I started as an as an athlete in high school mm-hmm. um, with just like no intention of coaching but then over time you can't help but to just not know this like what am I doing this week or why did my coach give me this much right. like this number to do when I feel like I can do more or mm-hmm. I should do less Right. I just over time just started to have questions about that. Right. Um I don't think I took well, I think during the way I would just kind of help my teammates like mm-hmm. intermittently just jump in. Mm-hmm. Never really take on the full responsibility of I am your coach, I'm gonna handle all just just jump in like, hey, if you're doing bad on squat like you can you can adjust this try mm. this and help me like that i was more like a good teammate right um, um yeah but i think i really started just taking on the programming doing the full responsibility as coach let's say like 2015 2015 okay about five years, years ago. Okay, and uh, I think it's very interesting how how you when you were an athlete back in <laughs> school, um, how you thought uh, you would be given something by your coach, and then you think like, why is he giving me th- these kind of numbers? I don't think a lot of people, a lot of people think about it like like that. I don't know. Maybe that I feel like that that characteristic would be like a why you are very fitted for a coach i don't know Mm, yeah and i think again it's like the motivation thing people Mm -hmm. can vary depending on their personalities i think i'm just the type where uh, also because i like 
I wanted to pursue physical therapy and know about mm, yeah. exercise and the human body. I just wanted to understand more like what was going on. Like uh, if, if I'm doing like a uh, overhead press, mm. why am I doing overhead press? Right. Like that's not a comp lift. Why can I just not bench press all the time? Because I hated doing like overhead press, for example. Yeah. And really, I really like doing bench press and I'm just, I just ask these questions like, why do I have to do like, like rows, mm. like work to work my back? What does that ever do? And just questions like that. And then questions about like, I could do more, like, I feel like I could do more on my list. I feel like I could go heavier. And the coach says, no, don't go heavier. I just, I just had a ton of questions. So yeah. I just started uh, observing and over the years, just like, learning on my own, mm -hmm. reading stuff online, mm -hmm. reading books. And uh, as I got more advanced in like my physical therapy career mm -hmm. too, learning anatomy, learning the human body, yep. everything just kind of slowly uh, came together mm. on top of like the experience too. Okay. As a yeah. And like uh, five years of, uh, of coaching, uh, a lot of things, you must have learned a lot of things as well. Um, what is the, like, one of the most rewarding thing as uh, being a coach? Oh, the most <laughs> rewarding thing is um, when, I, when I get a new lifter, I always, because uh, pe people come to you for different reasons. Some people want to come to you because uh, they want to be competitive, they want to be national champion, they want to go to the world, be a world champion, but that's not that's not everyone's goal. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's even majority of people's goal. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people, some people want to lose weight. I think a lot of people, their goal is just, I just want to do the best that I can. Right. I just want to maximize what I have. Mm. But I don't ever assume that I know what's best for you. So I always have this talk with someone before I start and I say, what are your goals? Short-term, long-term? And then they'll tell me, uh, I want to put 100 pounds on my squat, or I want to be national champion. Right. But the most, uh, yeah, the best part of this is just going back. Mm -hmm. Like, let's say we've been coaching for like six months now, and we go back and see, hey, what was the, what was the goal that you wanted to do? Put 100 pounds on your squat? Mm. And we see, oh, we put 120 pounds on your squat. Right. It's just kind of kind of going through the checks of helping everyone like achieve what they want to achieve and helping them get there the fastest way possible and being efficient about it and having fun. Along the way. Yeah. Having fun. Mm, and I think it, it sounds a lot like, uh, it, I think it's very um, easy to get caught up in short-term goals, but realizing that you have achieved something long-term is also very satisfying for both ends, right? As a, as a uh, athlete and also as a, as a coach as well. Yeah, I think both is definitely important. I ask, and I ask them for both. I ask them, what's your short-term goal? What's your long-term goal? Mm. And if possible, I try to make it, sometimes they conflict, but if it doesn't, I try to, it's my job, of mm. course, to try to do our best to mix the two and just help the lifter as much as I can. Mm. And um, sorry, I'm just personally curious. Do you have any clients that are like, I want to achieve like, a very unrealistic goal in such a short term and how do you <laughs> tell them that it doesn't work like that <laughs> yeah just personally curious yeah those those people there are a ton of people like that mm. and i have 
have a ton of people like that. Every coach, I think, has people like that. Um, and I think they're usually they're like the younger, right. newer. They haven't really uh, done serious. They may have just been lifting for a mm. long time, but not done like serious, like dedicated programming with emphasis on like rehab, form, recovery, all right. that. They haven't done that for like a year and seen what is the uh, like reasonable progress I can make. Yeah. For example, um, let's say, I mean, you, you say you want to put, you want to, Add 200 pounds to your squat, 200 pounds to your bench, 200 pounds to your... Sorry, I'm talking in pounds, but I feel like... No, it's fine. It should be all right, yeah. Let's say you want to add 100 kilos to all of your lifts in six months. Mm -hmm. Sounds like a big goal to me. I mean, I'll tell you that it's not likely, but we can try. I'll say we can try. What we have to do is we have to do everything right. You have to do the programming correctly. You have to send me the videos for feedback. Um, you have to get your nutrition, yeah. you have to get your calories and your protein in, you have to sleep enough, yeah. get your vitamins, just take care of everything in order to have that maximal progress. Uh... And let's say, um, you wanted to add a hundred kilos to every lift in six months. Let's say in three months you added 50 kilos to each lift, which is, a I don't think it would happen, yeah. but, yeah. but we, we try for it mm. and we see, did you? So if you added 50 kilos to each lift in three months, then six months, adding 100, we're, we're on track, you see? Right. But then at like three, usually it's going to be uh, at the three-month mark, you know, mm. like 10, pa- or 10 kilos on your squat, maybe like two, five kilos on your bench, mm. maybe 10, 15 on your desk, which is still great progress for three months. But then I, I look at that and, and tell you, uh, so... We did everything we could. We did the programming. We did nutrition, recovery. And you can see how it's not going to, like, add up. Mm-hmm. I say, what What more can we do? Right. We, I just have a talk with the lifter. Mm. And then from, from there, once they actually kind of see it, like, as data, yeah. not just as, like, I want to do this. Yeah. To me, when, the, when a lifter says something like that, I call it, it's like an abstract goal. Mm-hmm. Right. Even though they have like concrete numbers in mind, but it's just kind of, it's just so remote mm. to me. It's like an abstract goal. But then once you're able to put like some data down after they've been with you for a bit, they start to realize like, oh, maybe uh, mm. I need to, uh, maybe I need to change my goal. Right. <laughs> I think it's uh, very interesting that you don't, when lifters say something like that, you don't like shut them down and be like that's not that's not realistic you're more like um let's try it and then letting them kind of observe that how realistic their goals were and then kind of like self-reflect once they have like done a certain period of training and then making them realize for themselves i think it's very interesting that you 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 approach it like that yeah and i and i and the first thing i say when i do that is i don't what I, my opinion, my opinion, I don't think this will happen in mm-hmm. my experience. I don't think this will happen, but I don't like telling people it can never happen. Right. And I people say, don't like hearing that either. Yeah. I think if you, if you have a goal and you really want to do it, I, I say we can, all we can do is try our best mm-hmm. and then see what we can do. 
and I'll, but once you know, like what I think, some people, if I told them, I think this is not a good idea, then mm. they'll say, oh, I'll do what they'll say. I'll do what coach says. Right. But then some people just say, I still, like, I know you think this is a bad idea, but I still want to do what I want to do. Mm. And they have just, uh, it can be, you can call it stubbornness yeah. or you can just call it willpower. It's yeah. like, yeah. It's like the same <laughs> in thing, a positive like, way, oh. willpower. Yeah. Yeah. Some people just have that very like strong willpower. Mm. So, and I, I don't like to tell people you can't do this mm. because when I was a lifter, I, I, I was kind of mentioning, like, I asked my coaches, like, can I do more? I yeah. think I can do more. And they say, no, like you should. I, re- I really didn't like that. Mm. It just for, like, uh, and I know they did it because they had like the best like intentions for me. Yeah. But it's like a mental, like psychological effect on me. Yeah, it just, yeah. it just affected me negatively. And I think if you're, uh, psychology is big in all sports, mm-hmm. not just like powerlifting, mm-hmm. but any sport you do if if you're just mentally not there if you mentally can't focus if uh you have like stress and other factors bringing you down i believe that does negatively impact performance i don't want to do that to my lifters Mm, right and and having willpower is a very good trait you just need to direct it at at the right uh, goal right i I think it is a very important trait yeah for sure Mm. especially for something like uh lifting where you have to kind of dedicate to it for a long time to Mm -hmm. see results Mm -hmm. you don't just see the results after one day of training right you have to do it for months Mm -hmm. months years it's long term and um i'm also curious to know uh speaking about this topic i know you have coached a lot of uh national and international level athletes what are some characteristics that people successful lifters have in common Sorry to put you on the spot. But. Yeah, and I, I don't I don't like uh I mean I'll I'll answer, but I just don't like questions where like what what like I don't like statements like never and mm. always or what do all these lectures have in common? But of course everyone has to uh be willing to like work hard mm. in the hours. And all I really ask for my lifters is um give me your 100% effort. Mm-hmm. Um, if if I give you, if I say uh, you have to squat 150 kilos today and you fail it, but you gave me 100% effort, that is okay. Mm. Um, because we can see, if we just look at what you did, we can analyze it, we can go back and fix the mistakes we did and look towards making making you better in the future. But if you're just a person that is just like, you're going to give up or mm. you're just going to be discouraged. You're not going to try. Then mm. I can't, I can't do much for you. Mm. So that, that's the thing I, I need. I need that 100% like that. Every, give me everything you got. Right. I need that. Mm, the work ethic and the, maybe the resilience is something mm-hmm. that a successful lifters might have in common. Yeah. Very important. Yeah. yeah Cause if you're not willing to do it, then, then there's no progress almost yeah there there are some people who are very strong and they can be a multiple time like national champion world champion but if if they don't have that work ethic and they're inconsistent that inconsistency in their training will 
I mean, just statistically, it'll show up like inconsistently at competition mm. too. Right. And sometimes it's a big, big moment that can that can bite you. Likely not. It depends on how talented you are, but mm. it can happen. Mm. And also, you know, uh, giving your one hundred percent. Not everything goes right. So, like for example, it, during times of you know this pandemic, and no one really expected this, and uh, you know life happens, and sometimes you can't give your one hundred percent. Well, given the situation, and you know d- maybe not stressing or dwelling over that, and then moving forward is also maybe a, a, one of a, a, a good trait. I don't know. Yeah, you gotta be. Uh willing to adapt you gotta be versatile um a lot of my lifters traditionally will do their uh, nationals is in the u.s is usually held in the like spring summer like Mm. april to may but then before that every year i'll have everyone do like a uh a pre-nationals meet around winter okay about about four to five six months before Mm so that we can uh, put them in a competitive environment and push them and see where their weaknesses are, where to start to break down. Right, okay. So we have like four or six months more to work on it before real nationals. Ah, so they peak uh, before nationals to see, you know, at the own gym uh, doing competition, like wearing singlets well, and everything like that? Well, it'll be two, it'll be two separate. It'll be, so it's like the winter competition and it'll be the summer national competition uh, so we just go through it the big cycle twice okay so that they'll have gone through it one time at least before uh, going into their competition um but sometimes in the when we have the winter competition because like holidays mm-hmm. and like school finals for a lot of the and i have a lot of students that i coach especially the students they have issues if they're cutting for example mm-hmm. like thanksgiving is is big here i don't know if thanksgiving is big no. in japan no it's not no. yeah, yeah. Uh, it's <laughs> american but thanksgiving is just like where uh in november you you come home yeah. and you just eat a lot. eat a lot like, yeah yeah you eat a lot that day and then you have a ton of leftovers for like two three days you eat a lot mm. and just like food and just do nothing else but if you're if you're cutting you're dieting for your meat that becomes a problem you have to be disciplined um, and I, people get, oh, no. get questions They're like, can I eat this? <laughs> and I say, um, I was like, I say like, technically you shouldn't, but if you do, we'll just have to diet harder in the next week. Right. So we gotta make, we gotta adapt and make it up somehow. So again, I don't like telling people no, I'll just say like, it's not the best idea, but you can, if you want, just get ready to make it up. So it's like things like that. If oh, they have the holidays coming up or if they have finals and they miss a training day, you right. got to make it up or like you got to do something. You got to be flexible. Mm, to God, like it's not simple. being able to eat on Thanksgiving must be a, a, a huge like self-discipline. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, it's it really is torture. But for people like that, mm. I usually try to have them do their competition before. Maybe I try right. to foresee this is going to happen or mm-hmm. some some lifters again they have that very strong willpower they don't care they're mm-hmm. like oh i'll just eat my chicken and rice yeah <laughs> and then I'll tell you after the fact just, i'll just watch 
I'll I'll wait two months until after the competition and I'll eat after I come. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so yeah, it just depends. Right. Um. Now I just want to get more into the specific of the coaching, your coaching side. I mentioned earlier that you run a a school of Mikey P. And for those who may not know what that is, can you give me like a brief like description? What kind of what kind of training is it? And also like, do, is it international group or? Um. Yeah. So it's so I went to school at. University of Texas at Austin. Mm-hmm. Um, I was on the powerlifting team there for college. Um, I was very involved, like I was an officer and I was a lifter. Mm. And um, I, I kind of said earlier, like I just started as a lifter, and we already had a coach. But every now and then, I would just like jump in and help, just be a good teammate. Right. Then uh, near my senior year, our coach just left. He okay. had. I don't really know the detail. He just left to another state and we were just kind of left to fend for ourselves. Wow. So, and I, I was a senior then and it's kind of upon the the older team members, I mm-hmm. guess, if something like that happens, I guess. Seniors are like, okay, I guess we're the coaches now. Mm, wow. We're also the coaches. So we're kind of forced into it, but it's not like we weren't ready. Mm-hmm. Because all of us, we just, we cared a lot about the sport. We, like, observe what's going on. We right. pay attention. Mm. So it was a pretty smooth transition. Mm. And the and the fact that you were curious about a lot of the things that he was already doing must have helped um, you when he left as well. Yeah. 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 And then just kind of from there, because, I mean because the coach is just gone and I'm the coach and I have these group of lifters that I'm directly responsible for. Mm-hmm. I guess that's where I just, the coaching and that slowly, I, I had at the time, I didn't have any intention of like, Oh, five years down the line, I'm going to have this coaching group online, Instagram, like school yeah. Mikey PD that I'm going to sell t-shirts and make my, like I had no intention of that I was just trying to help my teammates, but it kind of just grew over time into what it is today wow and, and you have japanese athletes as well right yeah That's i have awesome. people from most like it's mostly like in texas and in the u.s but i have some people just like all over the world mm. and people from like puerto rico some people from like india some people japan so it's just kind of spread out but in terms of like the actual program mm-hmm. mm, it's kind of it's kind of complex but okay. i think um for the most part i do i have like the phases broken down into like competition mm-hmm. programming and like off-season programming and um during competition the focus is to highlight your strengths right okay and that's what like a, a peak is for mm-hmm. just to be good at like the competition like one rep max squat one rep max bench we don't care if you're good at doing tens mm. like during competitions maybe in off season that's good but we'll worry about that one rep max and we're going to make your strength stronger during competition right during off season is where we kind of switch gears and come go backwards and work on your weaknesses mm. where we make your weaknesses better 
And if your strengths kind of, we kind of neglect your strengths because mm-hmm. my philosophy is they're already strong. They will be strong. And I think uh, if you keep having these weaknesses just lingering around, these weaknesses will hold you back. Right. Eventually. Yeah. And it's kind of both like not, not working on your strengths will hold you back too, but that's why there, there's the balance for mm. me time in the comp season, working on your strengths and off season, working on your weaknesses. Right. And, um, so it's, it's more, well, broken down into, into cycles and, um, you know, developing this kind of like programming, is this something that you implemented from looking at other what other people, other coaches are doing? Or did you kind of do like a trial and error with your, with your clients or your athletes to develop like your own original way of coaching? Right. So I think uh, every lifter and every coach has a blend of influences mm. over the, whether they learn from like their own high school coach or they hired a powerlifting coach um and i think um it's um if you have like a big a big time powerlifting coach mm. and you have a lifter that's under a big time powerlifting coach and you go under that lifter you're right. kind of you're expecting that it will mimic what his coach is doing mm. because that's what has worked for them and that's the system that they're used to but for me i've uh, i've been lifting kind of powerlifting for like 13 years and mm. i've seen multiple coaches throughout the time right my style is is blended just mm. like multiple i think but the main influencer for me is a uh, Josh Bryant or Jailhouse Strong. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the coach that uh, he's like the big bench press coach right now. If if you know like uh, heard of like Julius Maddox. Okay. Yeah. 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 The guy who was on ESPN and he was gonna do like an 800 raw bench press. Mm-hmm. He didn't get it, but yeah. He's just I have like I guess that's my main influence. Mm-hmm. But over the years, I've just learned from a lot of people. And so I wouldn't say it's like, uh, it kind of is trial and error. Right. It is kind of like a, just a mix of what Mm. I've taken from the best parts of my experience. So picking out what works for, what works for you and other athletes from different coaches and then blending that all together to create your own kind of style. Yeah. And it's kind of, uh. Again, it's it's not so. I wish I could put it simply, but it's not so simple because I also combine like, you know, I've talked about like how I think psychology is important, mm. that um, that mental energy, and then I also have a nutrition degree, so I implement that. Right. Okay. I also have my physical therapy degree, and I just I emphasize rehab and moving correctly mm. and proper like body mechanics. I don't think a lot of coaches combine all of that which as much with as much emphasis as me either. Right. So I think it is it's very unique. Ah, so so you have knowledge from all like different perspectives other than, you know, strength training. So implementing that as well. And what else can you say that is like this is my way of coaching? Like this is original, like this is my thing. 
Do you oh. have anything like that? <laughs> well, I think uh, put I you use, on the spot. Like, Sorry. <laughs> most people, I think nowadays use like RPE, hmm. but I just it's the same thing as RPE, but I do like the reps in reserve, and I call it like tank reps, which okay. is just like uh, if you do a three three by five. Let's say I squat like two hundred kilos three mm. by five. And then every time I had three reps, RPE seven, mm-hmm. I call that like three reps in the tank or T3. Right. And people, and I've done that for a long time, but over the years, people have been like, why do you, what do you, what is that? Or like, what are you doing? Or why don't you just call it RPE? Like, right. and I was like, I was, I was doing this first. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And then just people try to change it, but I don't think there's right, anything right. really special about it it's just the way that i've chosen my style that i've chosen to there's nomenclature Mm. what you decide to call it all right Uh, it's a thing in japan i've seen a couple of times like online coaching uh, like platform is growing right now in japan and we've just like almost taken off like oh we've just gotten into it and i've seen Mm. coaches where they take 100 percent of their program from uh u.s athletes like u.s coaches and um japanese people don't know this because they don't speak english so it's like they're doing a program that is 100 percent someone else's program and then putting that into it it's a copy program yeah copy and paste program yeah i don't know if you have that in the states too but it's a it's, it's a thing in japan you know i can't believe people do that yeah I think if you have online coaching and you have, if you send the workout, mm. there will be people who try to sell it and they'll change the color or, or change <laughs> a number here and there, yeah. you know, but that, that will always be a thing. And that mm. used to bother me, mm. but, um, I think over time, uh, because I, if I give, if I give you a workout program, I made that for you because that's going to everyone has different strengths, different weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And I gave that to you to target your strengths and weaknesses. If you give that to your friend, she probably doesn't have the same strengths and weaknesses as you. Right. So she can do it, but you will get great results out of yours and they may get good results or they can get bad results. Mm. And, uh, I think over time people will, always be able to tell right it'll show eventually yeah. by time it's like, it's like telling a lie like over time you may get away with it a few times but eventually you will get caught for mm. sure definitely be exposed i mean even in japan maybe eventually it'll 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 tell i don't know <laughs> um and also uh let's talk about um training injuries as we have already discussed uh, you deal with a lot of clients as well as you being a physical therapist and I think it's almost inevitable uh, correct me if I'm wrong inevitable that you will have to deal with some form of injury whether that be minor or a big injury uh, if you're dealing with a lot of clients for such a long time and so and I also have a big interest in this topic since I have been through several injuries and then you know I know how challenging it is to to deal with it um but before that can you have you been through a injury uh, yourself oh I've had many injuries over the years I think 
my most recent big injury was this right shoulder. Mm. Um, it had been hurting. It's it hurts a little bit even to this day, even though that was two years ago. Oh. But it's it's like ninety five percent now. But it was at like uh, it took me six months to get to fifty percent strength in this shoulder. Damn. So it was, and it's it's still bothering. It's kind of a two year injury now. Um, Did you do it my, during your your lifts, or was it something that developed over time? It was an off season because I have an issue with my grip. I was doing like a strongman, you know, like a farmer's carry is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The strongman where they carry the weight. Yeah. So I was carrying the weights because I was wanting to work my grip and I'm in off season. So that's one of my weaknesses. Yeah. And then because it was, you take the weight and you walk with it. I think the way I was swinging the weight, it, it pulled too much this way. Oh, wow. Okay. I think I just want to focus and it, it pulled too much this way and then it just kind of messed up my shoulder. Oh. But I, but I'm okay now. Mm. It's, it's, it was rough for a little bit. I thought, maybe do I need to get surgery? But I just stayed like diligent oh. to my rehab. I stayed patient. I kind of just thought if I was my lifter, what would I tell them to do? And mm. just kind of stay with it. And, and I'm good now. I'm, I'm kind of worried because I, if I... I I'd pro- other people must do the same as well, you know? It, it, doing mm. that exercise. It's very easy mistake to make i don't know yeah if you're trying to push yourself to be your best um i think um i mean i think it's you're just gonna have injuries every now and it may not be a big injury but you'll have small tweaks and i think that's kind of normal you just have to kind of uh be smart Mm. about dealing with it if you're injured don't try to keep pushing like you don't have the injury Mm. you have to like back off and rest and then maybe sometimes you can it can get better without any treatment mm. or sometimes you may have to go see the doctor and right. go get no help it just it kind of depends mm. okay so you, you had your shoulder injury do you have any, any other injuries i just i have like low back tweaks every now and then sometimes my knee hurts but yeah. i think that's very typical for a lot of people mm. i think for the most part i'm i'm actually probably like top probably top one percent of like being like injury free or like pain free mm. because i have like the background and i if i i usually can tell that oh my shoulder is not good like at an early stage right and i fix it myself before i let it grow and become a big problem mm. like, people who don't have like the background like me they just don't know. They don't know what to do. They don't know. Is this normal, like training soreness, right. or is this like, bad? Where I need to see the doctor, and sometimes I think they just kind of let it delay. Mm. And just, like, but I, I, I don't let it get to that. So I think I just take very good care of myself. Right. I try to be smart with my body, and uh, I think luckily I'm just, um, just healthy in general. So, right. I mean, you have the knowledge, but other people don't. Maybe you, your clients not all have, like, the knowledge like you do. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, uh, pain is subjective. So I think it's like, do you encourage people to, your clients, to to tell you everything about the discomforts and 
and you know if they have discomfort in the shoulder and so that you can prevent injuries or yes i want to know um i want them to either tell me like through like a personal message mm-hmm. or i give them the workout sheets and in the section with the comments they can write to it but i if, if you have a coach it's like uh going to the doctor you don't you don't just go to the doctor and say everything's good i'm healthy mm. give me my checkup and let me leave if you have an issue they need to know so they can help you so right. with your coach too if you have an issue for example you're feeling pain in your shoulder or you're feeling pain in your low back even if it's small mm. i need to know so that right because the kind of things that's uh you want to deal with it while it's smaller you don't want to delay mm. and let it grow into a big problem right? mm. so so listen to your body whether that be small and then report that to your coach yeah very important yeah Mm. And um, also, you know, getting back into, I want to move into like getting back into the gym after your, your injuries. Um, mm-hmm. There must be a lot of, of course, like physical challenges, but also mental challenges. And what is what are some of the things that you keep in mind as a coach, you know, when athletes get back into the gym, uh, maybe physical and mental? Big, right. Two um, big questions. For- so if you've had an injury... The chances of a re-injury of that, just your uh, percentage, the likeliness is higher just because you already have damage in that area and you probably got hurt in that area because your body moves a certain way or you have a certain form or some, some tendency that made that hurt. And even though we do rehab to fix it, that tendency will still be there on top of like the damaged tissue or the damaged area. So Mm. I always keep them, I always try to go easy and I let them know if you have pain above, I usually use like two out of 10 Mm. as my parameter. Sometimes it's expected for you to have a little bit of pain, but if you only have like one out of 10 pain, that's okay. I think if you can keep it at two out of 10 pain or below, it's okay. Finish your workout. So a zero being like no pain at all and 10 being like, unbearable pain is that yeah. how you explain it yeah okay yes and it's like worst pain imaginable zero is no pain mm, okay. um, so as you go through your workout if you get increasing pain let's mm. say you start at a one mm-hmm. and then it by set two and three it jumped up to a three four five mm. then that's i tell them that's a sign you need to stop right okay it's, you can see the you can see the trend that mm. it's starting to get worse and it's already damaged. You already have issues there, so we can't have that. We have to either stop, or we have to drop the weight, or we have to change something. Mm, right. And every injury is different, but that's just kind of from there. It just kind of varies. Like some people drop the weight, and it's okay. Some people drop right. drop the weight and feel bad, okay. and you just kind of have to talk, communicate with your right. coach. Your coach has to just kind of analyze and see like what's going on and mm. make it move from there mm. so good communication with your coach and also listening to your body probably the key, key physical uh factors that are important mm. yeah and i think you have to listen to your body just a little more carefully when you're coming back from an injury mm. well, what about psych like psychologically uh, i mean for for me i hurt my lower back twice already and exactly the same and um it's when I was doing similar deadlifts and every time 
I simmer deadlift now. It's kind of like traumatizing, you know. It, it's it's I'm like oh no, I'm gonna get the same pain again, and I that would just cycle in my head, and things like that, you know. And there must be a lot of like psychological challenges being injured and then doing the same lift again because you eventually have to do it, right? And what are some things that um, you do as a coach to help with that? So if it's so, I'm very like uh, you know, I talk about like analyzing the data, analyzing the lift. I'm very like analytical about everything, right. and I'm analytical about the approach. First thing is we have to just figure out what is your root issue. Like, why does your for you why does your back hurt on mm. sumo dead? Are is your form not right? Do you have weakness in your back stabilizers do you have weakness in your core stabilizer is there something wrong with your hip are you uneven there's there's a lot of things we could be and i haven't seen a video mm-hmm. of you lift but i would love to after this <laughs> my help. hell yes. but, uh, yeah i would just be like let me see the video and we gotta figure out what's wrong we gotta figure out what's the root issue once we figure that out then we just tackle the issue address mm-hmm. the root issue let's say um you're getting this low back pain because uh your core stabilizers are weak. Mm. Then we take time off. Uh, um, I, I would take your sumo away because that's the thing that hurts you. I would take that away so you're not injured again. Mm-hmm. I would spend like three to six weeks just building up your core, building up your rehab. And then we I would start you off easy. Mm. I would say, if you have anxiety about it, I'd say, okay, we're just, we're just going to go light. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We're gonna go light. We're gonna go easy, but I'll let you know that you're better off now. Your mm. back that you had now is not the same back that you had six weeks ago, mm. because we did rehab to address it. So you're you just have a different body, mm. in a sense. Yeah. And then just slowly build you up from there. Hopefully, we don't have any more issues. And as I build you up slowly. Usually that'll help build the confidence. Mm, right. But then if you continue to have pain again, mm. that tells me the job was incomplete. That means right. we, may have to, we may have to go slower mm. or we may have to back off and kind of spend more time on the rehab. Mm-hmm. And that's just kind of where my experience and of like working in physical therapy, that's where it's very helpful, especially mm. with lifters coming mm-hmm. back from injury. Mm. Okay, so pretty much uh, pinpointing the problem that you got injured, and then trying to work, mm, trying to do, trying to work on your weaknesses, and try to fix that problem, and then taking things slow, and while also verbally, uh, verbally telling your athletes that you know it's we've worked on it, so it should be okay now, and then trying to encourage them in that way to get rid of that kind of like that trauma or that anxiety right yeah because it's just and yeah like mentally it'll just be like a it is like a traumatic event for you Mm. but if we've worked on it if that root issue is gone just on paper technically there's no reason why you should have the issue right you may have a different issue like issue somewhere else but that that issue that should be addressed Mm. if we did the job properly right do you think it's like uh more likely to cause an injury before like right before a meet? Like 
I like yeah. a psychological thing because it's like I always attach myself to you know I've worked so hard. If I get injured now, then everything's just messed, and uh, I don't know. Is there like a like a period of time where it's like psychologically easy, not psychologically easy, but like easier to get injured? I don't know. I, from what I've experienced with yeah. me and my doctors, I think people usually get a big injury kind of uh, away from a heavy lift, away from the competition lift mm. when you're doing something kind of easier or lighter yeah. or some a movement that's new. Yeah. And you're kind of, you're, you're not hundred percent focused. You're like, Oh, this weight is light. Let's say it's like a, like a 50% lift and you're just warming up like, Oh, I'm just doing my warm up. I'm just going to get through this, but you don't worry about doing everything right. You don't worry about your form. Yeah. You don't worry about how you're moving. You don't worry about your bracing. You just kind of do it to get over it because you're underestimating this weight and you're thinking about the next weight or the heavy top weight that you have to do. Yeah. And I think that's when uh, most people actually kind of get hurt. So it's a psychological thing almost. Well, because you're not being I mindful of it's psychological, right. but it's, I mean, well, I guess, yeah, Men, it's like, it's more of a mental thing. You got to take everything seriously mm. from warm up to the heavyweight. No, I totally get it. Cause the, the first time I threw out my back was during back offs. And then the second time was during warm ups and I didn't even have a belt on. Because it was so yeah. light. <laughs> and, that, and that's that's like a mistake too. You you like underestimated underestimated the weight. You said this is lightweight. This is just warm up weight. I should wear a belt. I think you know that you should wear a belt, mm. but for whatever reason, you were just in a hurry yeah. or you were excited about the next weight. And you didn't wear a belt, and it kind of you you paid for it. Mm. I think that's very that's very very common. Okay. To happen that way. Mm, you're not you're not being mindful of the cues that you usually would be mindful of during heavy lifts. Yeah, you just don't take it seriously. I think when you're at like your hundred percent lift, mm. I don't really see people getting injured hundred mm. percent lift because I think they're they know that this is a serious way. They know that this is right. dangerous. Right. So they're they kind of make sure their form, bracing, everything is correct. Mm -hmm. They make sure they have enough spotters. Mm -hmm. They make sure all the safeties are... You, you just do it because you you take it very seriously. Right. So, uh, I think... I, I don't really see people get hurt. That's a very good tip. Like, um, be, be cautious of every movement, whether that be light weight or not. You know? Mm -hmm. I think people... <laughs> I, I, I definitely didn't, like... I definitely weren't, wasn't so mindful of it if it wasn't heavy, you know? Like, warming up, I would think, you know, just warming up my body and, you know, seeing how I feel, never thought of it as, never took it as, like, I would in a competition lift. Yeah, maybe a good advice there for listeners. Yeah, and um, so last few questions. Uh, You know, being an online coach, you don't get to work, like, uh, you know, like hands on with your clients and mm -hmm. you know dealing with the injury your your athletes dealing with injuries how do you make sure that you are dealing with it in a correct way cuz you know the only information that you get is through their words right and you don't get to do like the checks and stuff like that i don't know uh, how do you ensure that you're dealing with it in the right way 
Yeah, and I, uh, I, so they have the, I guess, uh, written feedback on the program that they give me. Okay. And I will ask them for videos too. Mm. And it, it depends on what's going on. If a lifter is, if I've known a lifter for a long time and they know what I want and I know that they can do the right thing, I won't really ask for videos if you don't want to send it. Mm, okay. If you're busy or whatever, because I know, I kind of know that you're doing the right thing. Mm. Newer lifters, I will ask videos for everything. Mm. And depending on what happens, I'll, I'll say, okay, that was good. Next time, show me a front angle so right. I can look at your knees. Show right. me a side angle so I can look at your hips. And I guess it's a case by case thing, but I try to do, and I ask them to just send me the videos and so that I can find what I'm looking for. Right. Okay. But it is definitely a challenge not being there in mm. person and hands on showing them how to lift. I also have a, just like a library of, uh, I guess, uh, example videos that right. I say. If I want you to do a certain exercise, I want you to do it this way. I'll send the sample video. That's exactly how I want them to do it. Mm. So they have a guide. Right. But it, it's it's still tough. But I'm just uh, doing this for so long. I've kind of adjusted to working around it. Mm. Right. Okay. So so the pretty much like communication and actual visual communication is important too. Not only speaking with you know only texting and on the phone. Yeah. And the videos, I think, are very important. Right. I, I can just, you can just tell me it was a very good set, or mm. you can just tell me it moved very well, but I need to be able to see, like, on the video that mm. your back is lined up correctly, or your shoulders are moving right, mm. or whatever I need to see. And that's just kind of a part of the skill that I acquired more from uh, physical therapy school, because mm -hmm. you you, you do a lot of analyzing people. Right. Like you, you watch, you have someone squat, and if they have knee pain, you you watch all these little biomechanic biomechanical flaws right. and try to see what's the cause or causes mm. of the pain, or it's not always pain. Sometimes it's just weakness right. or imbalance. So I think I have, uh, it just turns out for me that I had the training and the right. tools to kind of, get around this mm. and problem solving as well uh yeah uh but there must have there been any times where you're not sure of what the problem is and w what do you do in those situations um have you had moments like that i don't know you you try a lot of different things and then you have you still have no idea what the problem is or or you can't work around it have there been moments like that I've honestly never mm. had a problem that we were not able to fix mm. eventually. Um, there have been, so there was someone that I coached who had a hip, a lot of hip pain. Right. And it took me, it took us over a year mm. of trying trial and error, like, Let's try this, see what happens. No, that didn't work. Let's try something else, see what happens. It took a year to fix their hip pain, but we eventually got it. I just was just kind of going down the list of observing them, going through my check, mm -hmm. going through the checks. Um, but that's usually not the case. Mm -hmm. Usually in a, if I give people rehab and it's not like a, a big injury, if it's like a, just like a small tweak or strain, I expect them to feel better 
within uh, five days to three weeks. Right. Okay. Mm. So if it if it goes longer than three weeks, then I kind of consider that okay, maybe that wasn't the right approach. Maybe we need to try a different angle. Mm. Right. But over time, it's just a because this is what I do. Like the coaching is not my main job. Mm-hmm. The physical therapy is my main right. job, and that's what I do. Like. 40 hours a week right. and that's my specialty so I, I can usually figure it out just because I have so much experience mm. with it. but that that one person with the hip injury that took a year right I I was like uh and we we tried everything I'm yeah like, I think after like three months I was like I was like three months is a really long time I was like I don't know what else I can do I was like you need to see the doctor you need to get an x-ray mri All right they saw the doctor and the doctor said, oh, you need surgery. What? Okay. The doctor, the doctor was also like, I don't know what we can do for you. Let's just get surgery. Mm, that... like, this person, was, this yeah. person was young. They were like 20. Okay. Like, you, you're, not, you're not 20 trying to do surgery. I was like, maybe we should just try a little bit longer. Mm. And we stuck with it. And now, now they're good. That's insane so, how like uh, even a doctor couldn't figure it out, but you were able to work around it in a year, in a year time. Like that, that explains I mean, how much like different perspective that you have as being an athlete and a powerlifting coach. But I guess like a doctor has only a certain uh, vision, not vision, you know, that, that perspective of they don't know what it feels like to lift and things like that. So I think right. and the doctor will only see you for. 30 minutes at most Mm. or like five minutes usually Mm. and they'll just say all right and then take this take this medicine or do heat and ice or like they'll just say don't don't squat anymore Mm -hmm. the squatter hurts you don't squat anymore and they'll just say then see how you feel but because uh this is like a power lifting this is like a competitive approach we can't just say don't squat Mm. Maybe for like a temporarily, we'll say don't squat for like a month, but we can't say like don't squat for a year. Mm. So we have to be able to work around it. And uh, this person was uh, kind of said at the beginning, they need to, I asked people to give me their full effort. They were very patient with me and they worked hard at everything I gave them, right. even though they were still having pain. And there were times and they're like, I don't think this is working. Mm. They, they still tried their best. And right. eventually we got... We got down to it. Mm, and that's your key thing, right? 100% effort. Yeah. Mm. Try, you got to try your best. Yeah. And uh, it, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. If, if you didn't try your best, then we don't know if it was, mm. was the approach wrong, was the programming wrong, or was it just didn't work because you didn't try? Mm. Yeah. Right. Um. Also, you know, I, I know there are a lot of like information nowadays about post-injury training and how you shouldn't stop training completely uh you shouldn't rest like i know a lot of people that are like go back to the gym next day and then try air squats and things like that but it doesn't really sound like your your approach you you would try to maybe rest a little bit and then build it back back up what is your take on post injury training just briefly i know it depends on the athlete and what the injury is but um maybe just give like a is there any brief advice on that yeah of course, it, it can vary by a lot, but I think if your injury was great enough to stop your workout mm. or or to hinder your workout where you couldn't do the weight you were supposed to do, then 
I think it's it's realistic to say that it's not going to fix by tomorrow. Mm. Like, um, because injuries and rehab is kind of a, it's like lifting; it's a longer process. Like, if you get shoulder surgery, mm-hmm. that process takes twelve to eighteen months, so a year to year and a half. Right. So rehab takes a long time. Mm. So, and like I said, my timeline for like a small injury is like five days to three weeks right. and um one one day is is not enough mm. for your body one day is not even really enough to heal from your workout you know you right do, you do squats mm. like you're not gonna go do squats again tomorrow you need to take like two three days mm. before you squat again. some people rest a full week yeah squatting. so if you have an injury like that's greater in terms of the damage done mm. compared to like a workout you it's i just don't expect it to feel better in the day yeah it's like all of a sudden i feel like resting is bad now <laughs> like first injury it, 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 that's like a thing now right like a trend that you go back to training right after injury i don't know i feel like uh, i don't think i haven't seen that but i can see why some people may say that because mm. they're kind of afraid of uh losing the progress but you have to really think you have to be like honest with yourself how bad is this injury mm-hmm. and you have to think um what is the worst thing that can happen and usually the worst thing that can happen is a re-injury right and you'd have to think um if i went back to back and i got a re-injury was it worth it mm. are you training is your competition this week right like very soon that you have to go back is your competition in a year and you have the time to like take this slowly and do it the right way or like usually people don't have to rush into the gym to get mm-hmm. it done. they have the time they can they can kind of back off let their body rest do the rehab properly take it slow mm-hmm. just and just because like usually a re-injury is just so devastating yeah yeah I can speak that for myself too. Yeah, and I think I I I just like uh give that advice to my lifters too. I tell them like I said, I don't tell them you can or can't do anything, but I tell them how much good it may do. Like if you got injured today, you want to go back to the gym tomorrow, I say you probably won't be able to do the same way. You'll still probably hurt. And that's like best case scenario. And worst case scenario is you may get injured again and uh, you could, you know, you may have to go get surgery Mm. or whatever. It could just get a lot worse than it can be better. Right. And it sounds like removing the emotional side of 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 it all is important. Think and stepping back and then thinking about it in a logical way and think about your more of your long-term goals than your short-term goals. Like bring that, yeah, tie back a little bit. But maybe that's one of the key factors that are important after injury. Would you agree? Yeah, I think uh, it's important to not be so caught in the moment. And I think uh, if you have a coach, that's kind of their job to help you not be so biased, be able to see objectively. Mm -hmm. Be able to put all the data together and right. see what is like the best outcome, what is the worst outcome, and just make a good judgment decision. Mm, well, it, yeah, 
if you don't have a coach and you have to do that by yourself, I mean, that's rough. But then I think usually pe- people know what the right thing to do is. Right. Even if they don't have much knowledge. Um, if, if, yeah. Even if they don't know or if they're just stubborn, I think pe- people know. Yeah. If you just break it down. Mm. Listen to your body. Right. Well, there you go. Um, uh, Where can people reach you? Are you, are you like... um? Uh, taking clients right now or yes uh i have openings um so the best way to reach me is on instagram through dm mm-hmm. uh, my personal is call me mikey p um but then also i have a separate account for the coaching program which is school of mikey p both you can message either one. Oh, there you go well, me, I have to read it all. <laughs> yeah, I'll put that in the in the description of this episode. And um, also, uh, as I mentioned earlier, you also have a Japanese uh, client, and also I- I'm sure you're aware of like maybe few Japanese powerlifters. What are some of your impressions of Japanese uh, lifters, powerlifters? Um, the thing I learned very early on, like when I was a freshman in college, is that. Japanese powerlifters are the best uh, bench pressers. Oh, right. And now there are people who, a lot of people now who have like a really big arch and really short ROM and are good at bench. But back then when I was starting school, like in 2010, Mm. I didn't really see that in America. And until my coach told me to look up these, he gave me like a list, look up these Japanese (laughs) people and then benching. And they're, benching like ridiculous weight weight that i couldn't even like squat or deadlift mm. they were they were they were benching it they were holding it in their hands right so I was like, oh, okay i was very impressed and then after i saw that i got like a a like a the japan powerlifting t-shirt oh okay and i became a, I'm a fan after that oh so. nice so bench press technique yeah very impressive yeah for sure mm-hmm. um i think we will wrap it up just yeah, um, um, I don't know. Is there, uh, what what are your goals with uh, your coaching maybe this year? <laughs> Sorry to put you on the spot. Well, just um, everyone, I just want to help them reach their full potential. Mm-hmm. Whether that be, and again, it just depends on their goals. If they want to be strong, if they want to lose weight, if they want to be more competitive, if they want to be healthier. I just want to help everyone just reach their goals as efficiently as possible. Mm. Well, there you go. Thank you so much for uh, making the time to be on the show today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Uh